0: I'm Deborah Bond Yancey. My parents were divorced when I was little, and uh, my mom remarried, and during that time uh, I, uh, I was molested, and so in my teens I uh, became very promiscuous. I grew up in the 70s, so it was during the hippie area, free love, peace, you know, all that stuff, drugs, sex, and rock and roll. So. Um, I pretty much, I did all of those. Uh, I got pregnant and I had an abortion. You know, it's something you never forget. You regret it all your life. My mother always prayed. She prayed for all of us, all the time. And I think that that's, (laughs) that was my, my saving grace. I had moved up to Orange County, Huntington Beach area and I started working for this medical supply company. I thought that would be interesting. The company went out of business. I was laid off and so I was laying on my bed and I—I um, I, all of a sudden, I wanted to harm myself. I said, God help me. And so all of a sudden, I knew it was the Lord, <laughs> reached down grabbed my hand and pulled me out of that pit. I, I was sitting on the edge of the bed, and I remembered that this woman, that at the time I called a crazy Jesus freak, she was the one I worked for at the medical supply company, had given me a Bible. I remembered that Bible, and I took it out, I opened it, and I started reading it. And I've never put it down since. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do for work. I started looking, and then they had yellow pages in Los Angeles, Orange County. I got a hold of this person and found out it was a couple that had a house cleaning business. And they said, OK, we'll pick you up at seven o'clock in the morning. I said, OK, great. But as soon as I got in that car, the wife started reading the Bible. And I thought, okay, God, I get it, I get it. And every time we got in the car, that's what she did. It's just, it was God in everything, everything. And so when we came up here, and Norma, Pastor Peter's mom, somehow talked me into uh, going to freedom session. Through, Through freedom session, I was, I forgave myself of all the things that I did and what I did to myself, what I did to other people, etc. It is the best thing that ever happened to me and you know, or one of the best things. And it's just been an honor. God, after all I did, used me and gave me the privilege and the honor um, to serve him.
1: Man, that is a good story. And um, I love, there's like four different things in there. I'm like, that's incredible. That's amazing. That is a my story, things that God has done. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Man, it's Sunday. Uh, It's Christmas time. Um, I just feel a joy in my spirit today. I don't even know exactly why. And I wanted to share with you this story. Um, We have, sometimes we have several my stories we can play. And when I saw that, I said, you know what, Um, recently I've run into people, you know, everybody's walking through pandemic stuff, but some people are walking through new diagnosis of cancer and things like that. And, um, you know, Deborah is uh, not here today live because she just started chemo uh, this week. And I wanted to pray for her specifically and all those who are dealing with, you know, a cancer diagnosis or something, a fight that they're in. Um, You know, and for some people, honestly, they're like, we're like, oh, the pandemic's so hard. And I'm like, it could be a lot harder. Um, I run into people all the time that are having surgeries and big time, uh, you know, cancer battles and other things. And I just realized, you know what? Perspective is everything. So I'd like to ask you if we could just bow online and uh, right here in the room as well. And let's just take a moment and pray for people who are in a fight, um, maybe the disease or a fight for their lives and just ask God for his touch. Can we? Lord, we believe that you can heal, and we don't just think about it and have positive thoughts and wonder. Or, Lord, we pray and we ask for your healing touch upon Deborah's body and, God, upon everybody in this church who's battling cancer. God, some people in this church are not just facing a pandemic. They are facing life-altering seasons on top of it, and so we pray, God, healing and grace and peace upon their lives, their bodies, their families, uh, their marriages, their jobs, and their homes. Lord, would you do a healing work uh, through the people of true grace. And God, we ask very boldly that you would do miraculous miracles in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thanks for praying for that. I'm going to keep praying for that. Sometimes you have unanswered prayers in your life, and that causes you to pray less. Um, I recently had some unanswered prayers in my life, and I'm determined I'm going to pray more. Uh, Because I just think the devil would love to discourage me, and I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to keep praying and praying all the more. Well, if you have a Bible today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And while you're turning there um, in Luke chapter 2, I want to just tell you a quick story. It came up recently. And there was a story about a few years ago where I had bought a ton of Christmas lights and um, they were like $1.99 a box. These were the really good ones. <laughs> you know, the ones that, you know, they work for a week. And uh, so I had bought a bunch of these boxes of super cheap lights and, and I used a bunch on the tree and I had like 10 left over. And I thought, what am I going to do with these? They might work next year, they might not. I'm going to take them back. And so I drove back to uh, Lowe's with 10 boxes of Christmas lights, and I had my wife with me, and and I was like, I know they're cheap, but I'm just going to take them back. I'll buy some new ones next year, maybe buy, you know, some like this or something. So I returned them, and she takes them back. And I think it's a few weeks after Christmas, and the gal takes them back, and after she takes them back, immediately turns around and walks three feet, or more like 10 feet, puts them on a shelf out on the floor for sale. She scans them, puts them for sale, scans them, and the the, um, thing says, Clearance. And I said, just out of curiosity, how much are those Christmas lights now? And she says, well, they're 67 cents. And I look at Stacy, she's like, you wouldn't. Don't, you couldn't, you shouldn't, don't do it. And I said, I'll take them. And I bought them right back like the, like the next second. <laughs> how many think that's terrible? That's just awful. How many are like, Pastor Peter, you are my kind of guy. Oh, I, I try to live my life by this mantra. What would Jesus take back? And, you know, and it's just a fun Christmas story. And I, I don't know how many, you know, kind of fun, quirky things are happening at Christmas. But take some time to make some memories. Laugh at yourself. Uh, enjoy life in all those little ways that you can. All right? So we're talking today about Jesus. He is the star of Christmas Before we get to Jesus, let's talk about some well-known characters of Christmas in our modern day culture. Okay, so let's go ahead and put the first one up here. Well-known characters of Christmas. The Grinch. Some of you love the story. Uh, There's actually some pretty cool things in that story. Very well-known character of Christmas. How about the next one? Oh, come on. Who does not love Marv? If watch, watch Home Alone with a five-year-old, and you will have a good night, all right? So we got Marv and Harry. How about the next one? Characters of our Christmas. Oh, of course. I never get what I really want. Real estate. I love that. All right, next one. Characters of our Christmas. Michael Bublé. All right, next one. How about the, someone else? Santa, Rudolph, and Frosty. I think they're found in Genesis somewhere. No, I'm just kidding. All right, next one. Elf. Man, what a classic movie already, right? All right, how about another character of Christmas for us today? Uh, <laughs> yes, Pastor Dave's alter ego. There he is, right there. <laughs> next one Santa Claus. Man, St. Nick, if you do some study on St. Nick, he was a generous guy, and there's some cool stuff that comes out of the St. Nicholas story. How about next? The Shepherds. We're going to hear more about the Shepherds next week. What a cool picture of the Shepherds. How about another one? The Wise Men. Other characters of Christmas that we talk about in the world today? Do we have any more? I think there's uh, Mary and Joseph. Characters of Christmas that every time we get to this season, we, we are reminded of these characters and, and what they stand for and why, and why our culture is into that. And then finally, let's go to one more. Jim Caviezel. Yeah. <laughs> or, or Jesus. It's always hard to get a great picture of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is really the star of Christmas. He really is um, the true central figure. I love to think about this. Without Jesus, there is no Christmas. Literally all over the world, people celebrate Christmas without Jesus. And I just wonder how that's possible. Um, he is the story Jesus is why we have Christmas. I love Christmas in America. I love the movies. I love the cookies. I love the presents, the lights, the decoration, the joy. I love saying Merry Christmas to strangers. I like to hear them say Merry Christmas back. I just like, it's like people want to bless each other and people are kind and generous. I love the Christmas season. I love getting the tree, taking the pictures, all that stuff. But listen, without Jesus, there is no Christmas. Without Jesus, we're still dead in our sins, We need a Savior, all of us. And Jesus came to rescue us from our sin and ourselves. Would you just pause for a moment and say, I need to be rescued from my sin and myself. Please don't ever get to that place like, well, I used to, but now I don't need to be rescued anymore because I've got it together now. Would you please always remember that he rescues you from your sin and yourself. We need a Savior. You need a Savior in your life. You may not realize that, but you do. We're all sinners. We all separate ourselves from God when we choose our way over his way. Without Jesus, it's always winter, never Christmas. And I love to say this. God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He'll come into your life, and he wants to make you more. God wants Jesus to come into your life and make you more like him uh, in every way. It's all about Jesus. The central figure, the theme, the focus of Christmas is the Christ child, that the Son of God would love us so much and arrive in human form and come and teach us and heal us and point the way. Jesus said very clearly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Paul said there is no other name under heaven that we, might, that we are given that we might be saved. I mean, and it's, it's an exclusive message, isn't it? Like, well, you know, Charlie Brown and Jesus, they came and died for your sins. I love Charlie Brown, but Jesus is the Savior of the world. I want to be focused on who Jesus is. The Old Testament is filled with uh, foretelling about the Messiah who would come. It points, the whole Old Testament points to Jesus, the one who would come and fulfill the law and the prophets. Everyone else is a bit player. Everyone else is an extra, a background to the main character. Jesus is the star of Christmas. Uh, And if there was no Christmas, if there was no Jesus, what would life be like? What would we do without Jesus? I like to say this, Lord, I am lost without you. I need you in my life. I don't want to live life without you. I'm not worthy of heaven on my own. I can't make it on my own. I'm not perfect. I'm not always holy. I'm human. I'm too human. I sin. I make mistakes. I'm getting better, but I'm still a sinner. And Jesus opened up a way that all of us, everyone, might have everlasting life. So Jesus, the central figure of Christmas, let's make sure he's the heart of our lives as well. In the Bible, Luke chapter uh, 2, the text is about um, Mary and Joseph, of course. But they, there's some travel involved with the Christmas story. Maybe there isn't for you because we're living in a pandemic. But for Joseph and Mary, there's travel involved. They're in Nazareth, much uh, many miles north of Bethlehem. And because Joseph's family's from Bethlehem, there's a census being taken. So they have to travel south on a journey that probably takes five to seven days. I don't know. I've never traveled with a woman nine months pregnant on a donkey. I don't know how long it takes. I only know that as you're traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem with a woman that's nine months pregnant, there's probably people going, whoa. Like, I hope they get where they're going fast, right? Because she only has a few days left until she's going to give birth. Joseph and Mary traveled probably five to seven days from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Joseph had to register at his hometown. And the scripture says the child is uh, born, and after eight days after the shepherd's visit... The young parents have to set out again, this time to go to Jerusalem to dedicate uh, the child to the Lord. So if you have a Bible, it's Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 21. It's a story of two figures. Their names are Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna are two people that if you told them that they were going to be in the Bible and we'd be talking about them 2,000 years later, they would laugh. They wouldn't want it. They're not trying to be central to the story. They don't want to be famous. They're just people who have decided, I don't care what anybody else says or thinks. I just want to please God with my life. Let me say it one more time. There are people who have decided, I don't care what anybody else thinks. I just want to please God with my life. Incredible, this, this, these two older people. Luke uh, describes them as these pious figures, Jewish people. They've been praying for the Messiah, the deliverer of God's people. Jesus was the deliverer. The people had prayed for a deliverer from Egypt and God gave them Moses. Jesus came in even a much higher capacity to deliver people, not from the Romans, but to deliver people from their sins. And so Simeon and Anna were hopeful and prayerful to see the deliverer of of God's people that the prophet spoke about. Verse 21 of Luke 2 says this, Eight days later after the birth, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by an angel um, before he was conceived. The scripture actually from uh, Matthew chapter 1, the angel speaking to Joseph in in a dream said this, And she will have a son, don't divorce her, marry her, Um, she will have a son, Joseph, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins imagine joseph's life like you know you're excited you're getting married and it's this great thing you picked out this young bride and your dad said yes and you've done all things you got to do in society and then she's pregnant and you haven't been with her and now you're like world's turned upside down and now you're trying to be nice to her and, and separate yourself from her only to have an angel visit you and say oh, okay actually the baby there is from the lord and beyond that this child is going to be the deliverer of all the people of the world." What do you do when you wake up from that dream? Wow. His life is up and down. If your life is up and down, just imagine what Joseph is going through during this time. Verse 22, it says, Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem uh, to present him to the Lord. Listen, they had traveled for days to come from Nazareth all the way down to Bethlehem, but just north of Bethlehem, um, maybe about five or six miles, you can get to Jerusalem. I don't know how long it takes a woman who just gave birth eight days ago to walk or to ride with a baby to, um, from Bethlehem up to Jerusalem. I don't know if she's sitting on the donkey and she's holding the baby. I don't know if, if Joseph's holding the baby. I don't know if Mary's up on the donkey watching Joseph hold the baby, say, you're doing it wrong, uh, or he needs to be burped, or I don't know what's happening. But they take this child on this five to six mile walk um, to Jerusalem to dedicate him to the Lord. They traveled for days. Now they're traveling maybe in one day. Maybe it's one or two days. And uh, when we think about travel and the Christmas story, remember the wise men coming from the east and Mary and Joseph having to follow the census, and then the, the shepherds, you know, coming and finding them. There's, there's all this travel theme to the Christmas story. Last year, our, our series was called Traveling Lights. And, and we thought about this. We challenged people like, are you an overpacker when you travel or are you an underpacker? I've noticed when I pack clothes and I go on, like, on a mission trip or I, I pack a suitcase, I almost always have 30 to 40% of stuff I took that I didn't even wear. And I'm, you know, trying to shut this suitcase super tight and slam it down and zip it. And there's like 30% of it I don't even need. I need to learn how to travel light. And that's probably true in in my life as well. Carry things that I'm not intended to carry. Jesus told the 12 and the 72 of his followers that he'd sent out, take only what you need. Travel light. The Lord will provide Listen, every time you fill something into your life, it's just like a suitcase. When you fill it up, it takes up a spot that something else can't be in. And so it reminds you to spend your time, your resources wisely. Someone said you'll never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. And when things are stripped away from your life, sometimes you realize, you know, what I really need is God. When, all, when it all comes down to, I really need the Lord. See, so you carry many burdens you were never intended to carry. And I want to ask you this Christmas, travel light, love God, love people, serve the world. Let some of the other things just kind of fall to the wayside. Travel light, emotionally, spiritually, in your mind. Be that person when someone comes to your house, when someone sees you, you're not like, oh, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, I'm overwhelmed. Be that person who has some joy left to give. Because you're staying close to the Lord and you're traveling light in your spirit. It's easy for us to be busy and, and miss the point of what's really happening. What if Joseph remembered every possible thing except he forgot Mary and the Savior in her womb? What if Joseph got to Bethlehem I'm here to register? Oh, I forgot Mary and the Son of God. I gotta go back and get them. But what, what if worse? What if you had everything this in this life, everything this life could possibly offer, but you neglected on, the only one who could save you from your sins? Start with the Savior and let everything else be on top of that. Let's start in the right place. Let's don't major on the minors, let's focus on what matters most. Um, Listen, in this life you'll have to constantly reprioritize who or what deserves your focus, your resources, and your best efforts. I asked a question uh, recently, and it wasn't during the pandemic, it was before, and the question was simply this, what is essential? And what's funny about this, I don't know if you guys have it on the screen, um, but I asked this question, what is essential? And I asked this question to our church on November 30th, 2019, talking about, hey, what are you really carrying and what should you be carrying and what should you not be carrying? And we asked this question, what is essential? Not knowing that in 2020, everyone's going to be asking the question, what is essential? I love Easter because Easter answers the question of who is essential? Jesus came because you are essential. He came to give his life for us. We've been talking about this question of what is essential in our church for an entire year. And it's a great question for you to continually ask yourself, what is essential today? Hey, in this last month of the year, what's essential? During this Christmas season, we may not be able to do everything we normally do. What is is really essential? It It may not be the tree, and it may not be that tradition, but loving God, loving people, that's essential. What is essential for your life? What's critical? What's necessary? Let's not ignore that, what God has for us. Verse 23, it says, The law of the Lord says, If a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons. They went for the poorer version of that because they were a very young uh, couple. Verse 25, At the time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout, and he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That is like this cool old guy that seems to walk with God. He doesn't need a claim. doesn't need anybody. To, he's just walking with God. And it says something fascinating about this man. In our church, we believe the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us and talks to us. Amen? And the Spirit of God is upon him. This is what it says, uh, verse 27 and also verse 28. Go ahead and put it on the screen if you would. That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary, so this older man, Simeon, is led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there at the temple looking forward to the Messiah. And a young couple walks in with a baby. Nobody else seems to know it's going to be a, a young couple with a baby. Simeon was a man connected to the Holy Spirit, and I pray that you and I are people who are connected to the Holy Spirit, that when something is spiritual is happening, you're not, it doesn't go over your head, you know what God is up to all around you. You have a strength inside of you. The scripture says he took the child in his arms, and he praised God, and he said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. How did he know? How did this guy that walked with Jesus, walked, or walked with God, recognize Jesus when the Savior was brought to the temple? Verse 33 Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, You know what's so amazing about this is Mary and Joseph have this secret. Like first Mary knew it, then Joseph knew it, now they're traveling, ha ha, yeah, we're we're having a baby, you know, yeah, we're trying to find a spot. Nobody seems to know it. All of a sudden shepherds show up, they're like, how did you guys know? And sometimes the Lord just confirms you're not alone. Mary, you're not alone, now Joseph knows. Mary and Joseph, you're not alone, we're going to tell some shepherds. And Mary and Joseph, you're not alone, I have these saints that walk with me and they're going to find you at the temple and they're going to encourage you. That you're not alone. Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He has been sent as a sign from God that many will oppose him. Jesus' coming would have a paradoxical effect. The Son of God would bring light and salvation, but he would also bring division because some would oppose him. Some will believe in Jesus and he will be the cornerstone of their lives. But some will refuse to believe, and Jesus will be the rock that they stumble upon. How can it be? A carpenter's son? How could he be the deliverer of God's people? Verse 36, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then there was a widow, and she was a widow until she was 84 she never left the temple, but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. You know, Paul says something interesting. Paul actually stopped and, and wrote a letter. And he said, listen, if, um, if you are single, you can actually give a ton of your time and your energy to the Lord and to the work of the Lord. And sometimes we look at that and go, that's kind of weird, Paul. Are you anti-marriage? Um, but Paul understood something. If you're married, you are called to meet your spouse's needs. You are called to pour your life into another person. That takes time and energy and patience and sacrifice. And if you're going to have a good marriage, you're going to do all those things. And Paul says, Hey, for some of you that have lost your spouse, or for some of you that are single, never married, you have this opportunity, and she seemed to take this opportunity, um, this woman. And and like Paul says, whether it's your choice or not, you have more, uh, uh, you can give more of your attention to the Lord and his work if you don't have to pour that into another human being. Um, And she seemed to do that. She lost her spouse, but she gave her heart completely over to God. Verse 38 says this, Coming up to them at that very moment, this woman of God gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Again, you're not alone, Mary and Joseph. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required of the law uh, of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And this is what it says about Jesus, and I hope it's true of your kid or you. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I think Jesus grew and started to become physically strong. But I think that if we understand the scripture correctly, the Spirit of God was strong in him. No one would have looked around the temple that day and said, Look at that old guy, Simeon. He's kind of hobbling over here. That guy's strong. Nobody would have looked at this little widow and said, she's strong. There's a strength that comes from the Spirit of God. And when you have it, it shows up in times when you need it the most. Jesus grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Wouldn't this be great if this was true of you? that you were strong, you are filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on you. Here's what I think is most fascinating about this story. People are hustling and bustling around the temple. You know, they've got the animals to sacrifice. They've got the traditions. They've got the, the ways of worship, the forms of worship, the things that they're all trying to do, you know, to make things happen. And along come these two people. And everybody else is focused on all these things. But two people at the temple that day, they understood that Jesus was the star of Christmas. People whizzing around, you know, running their their stuff, doing their things. But two people stopped and said, I I know that Jesus, I know this child is what really matters today. If I'm going to start anywhere, I'm going to start with Jesus, Savior of the world. And I wonder for you and for me, with all the things happening, all the opinions, and all the pandemic, and all the stuff you have to do for Christmas, and all the financial things, and all the family things, if you're like Simeon and Anna, you can go, you know, all this is happening, but I'm going to start with the Savior. I recognize what really is essential, and that God has a plan to save me from my sins, and His plan is Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus said it so clearly. He said, listen, I stand at the door and knock. If any person lets me in, I will come in and we will have that relationship. He doesn't force himself into our lives. If we get callous and jaded, we can walk away. He doesn't force us back. But He's constantly asking you, will you give your life to me? Will you live your life? the way that God has designed you to live it. So I'm gonna ask if we just take a few minutes and bow our heads today, can we? Wherever you are. And this is my prayer for you and for me. If other people are caught up in trying to pack so much into their lives, if other people are missing the points If other people are enjoying all the fun things of Christmas that really are fun and good, but somehow the Savior is bumped from the top spot in their life, that's not going to be me. Jesus be the center of our lives Lord I don't want to miss the whole point I recognize that I'm a sinner I know I need a savior I'm certainly not the savior of the world so Lord would you come in and would you forgive me, change me, shape me mold me Lord here and now I want to just declare that you are not a part of my life you're not a supporting actor in the film called Me. No, you are the star of my life. You're the central figure of my life. I don't want to live life without you. If I miss anything, if I overlook a story recently, church, about singer uh, Toby Mack, been doing ministry for Jesus, serving the Lord for many, many years, and he said, I was, I was in uh, Jerusalem, I was in the Middle East, and, and he said, we were up on the hillside, uh, where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, we were all tourists, and we were looking around, and we were taking pictures, and historical and all those things. And he said, suddenly, our tour guide whipped around, and he quoted Matthew 5, 6, and 7 as if he were Jesus teaching on the mountainside that day. He said, as he began to speak, and no one else said a word, we all dropped our phones, but listen to the words of Christ, and it hit home like it's never hit home before, and people were weeping, and he said, my response in that moment was simply, Lord, I am sorry. I'm sorry for any ways that I've just commercialized and overcomplicated the message of Jesus. You and me hit deeply home in our lives. Lord, today we are sorry for any way, God, that we have missed the points that we've gotten busy. Lord, when you've had to tap on our shoulder to try to get our attention because we're so busy living our story, even though we invited you to be the leader of our lives. And Lord, today we just recommit and reaffirm: I'm not living for myself. There is a savior of the world. Jesus, would you come and take center place in my life? Be the star of my life. Lord, if you lead my life, it'll be so much better than if I lead it myself. Lord, grip our hearts, not with what we've heard, not with what the culture says, but with the truth, with the scripture, with the words of Christ. Jesus, you, are essential to me. There might be some young people, even some kids watching at home online, and this might be a day, maybe with the parents' help, that you even just stop and say, Lord, Mom, Dad, I want to give my heart to Jesus. it would be a great thing for you to do that right now on a Sunday morning in your living room. Just stop and pray and invite Jesus into your savior of the world before we need anything else we need Jesus if you have someone nearby and you're at home I want to encourage you to take a few minutes to pray and then just celebrate the Christmas season with your family for those of us that are here Christmas is a time to be a blessing, amen and if Jesus has filled your heart, let him pour out of you and everyone around you I'm serious. Like when you leave today, pour out the love and the grace and the joy of the Lord on somebody else. Go to somebody's home and be like, I've been in church. I've been celebrating Jesus. He's the central figure in my life. I know you're stressed out. How can I help? How can I be a blessing? Bless some people around you. Pour into somebody else. Smile with your eyes, even though you're wearing a mask. Be, be filled with the light. I don't know how many Sundays we're going to have live gatherings, but every chance we get to do it again, I'm thrilled to do it. To come together to worship the Lord and to honor God. God bless you. Be a blessing to others this week. Have a great week.